Sight and Insight podcast. We're calling this one Paint in Your Own Backyard. And basically, um, there's a lot of beauty out there that we don't always notice because we take a lot of things for granted. And... <laughs> Alright, so again, I've lost my train of thought. You'll have to bear with me because uh, I've had a busy week. I was up in, um, in Portsmouth uh, at the weekend giving... Um, a part of a symposium for the Gertrude Fisk show, which is wonderful to see all her work again because that, the colour and design is, is really phenomenal. And it's really worth going to see two, three times just to see how good this woman was. It also occurred to me that Gertrude Fisk was painting uh, in her, well, she was painting in her front yard. She has a beautiful piece there called On Pine Hill, which shows um, the front yard with this beautiful white picket fence and the sun-dappled lawn, uh, this beautiful oh. little white cottage in the background. And there is so much material just outside the door for the artist, if you're willing to see it. Um, and so we're going to be uh, talking with David Curtis and Lorwyn Connie Nagel, and we're going to get their thoughts on painting in their own backyards and so well let's start with David because uh, and David and Connie have been <coughs> teaching today they have a workshop this week and they've been talking all day with their students so uh, let's see if they've got anything left to share with us today how are you doing Dave? Well it's a very warm humid day out there and right now just as we start talking it's a uh, if the rain's coming in, thunderstorms, so it's beautiful. It's a very refreshing. Mm. Nice, cool air coming in now. So uh, the subject matter, I think it's a great subject. Um, it has many connotations, but I'm going to just take it from my personal point of view. Um, uh, my mom and dad were great gardeners and provided a beautiful garden that I was able to paint all the roses and um, all the beautiful daylilies that would come up and a flourishing garden and we hold a figure in the garden here every Sunday starting July 1st um, and, I, and I think it provides people to paint the figure uh, out of doors and all the reflected light involved in uh, painting a figure out of doors. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I personally feel that some of the times the most beautiful thing is, is in your own backyard. And um, I've seen many examples of people who uh, sometimes they don't recognize it or they feel like, well, you can't paint something in your own backyard. You have to travel, you know, 3,000 miles to the Grand Canyon to do a masterpiece painting. And that's wonderful, I admit, the Grand Canyon is beautiful, but um, on the same token, uh, I think you can find something beautiful to paint into your own backyard. I spent one summer, I think, uh, deciding what beautiful variety of roses were in the yard, so I decided I'd uh, take my easel out there and I just stuck my front leg of the easel right in a rose bush and uh, did close-ups of roses all summer. And I was so enamored with, with painting these flowers, all different kinds. It was it was wonderful, and I all winter long I couldn't, and I, I was very fortunate. They all uh, were sold, and uh, very happy, and I couldn't wait till next year to do the same thing. And by the time next year came around, this time of year when the roses are blooming, uh, I found I had lost all my inspiration to paint those particular roses. And uh, so you moved on to the roses. Well, I, I think I, yeah, well a little bit, but I think I probably had too much of a formula. 
yeah. for painting them, and I and I think it took the the inspiration and the fun out of it. But um, mm -hmm. and the other instance I remember it was coming up to Mother's Day, and I was working on a large thirty forty of the backyard, and I uh, wanted to have a center of interest, so I bought her bought her one of these reflecting orbs. Uh, but very selfishly wanted it for the painting more than I wanted to give it. But she was, she loved it all the same, uh, although she didn't like where I put it in the painting. Um, uh, it was for the painting, and she decided it belonged somewhere else, and so I moved it for her. Yeah. But uh, I, I think you should, everybody who's uh, tuning into the podcast, should, could have a good look around their own backyard. You don't have to travel miles to see something beautiful. You have a beautiful backyard, I know, yeah. with a beautiful view over the creek. It is, uh, yeah. That must give you so much opportunity to uh, to go out there and, and, yeah. and paint spectacular I feel, I feel it does. And um, it's interesting because we lived there for 20 years, and, um, and it was only, I would say, in the past six years that um, uh, we, uh, I started focusing on painting, uh, my backyard, and it was due to the fact that we had something called the posse, and the posse was, um, uh, uh, you know, a loose-knit group <laughs> of painters compiled from uh, David Curtis's uh, Saturday classes, and we'd start, we'd go up there and um, paint um, the backyard, the, the, I have a creek in, in the backyard, and and I realized from from those paintings and those um, those you know times that how wonderful this backyard is, and um, and I most recently painted a winter piece uh, looking out of the middle bedroom of my house um, and looking over the creek and um, uh, fortunate for us that we get sunrise. Not a dramatic sunrise, but definitely can see the sun um, as it as it casts its light and sunset, and um, those are always wonderful. Yeah. Now you were saying that you were painting it from the window. Yeah. Is that because you were recuperating at that point yes. from having uh, what the shoulder so surgery? So I had um, I had shoulder surgery in February of this year, and um, and I first made sketches. Um, then I made some uh, a couple of small pieces, and and the final piece is a thirty by forty, and um, and I'm really pleased with it. Um, I think you're very lucky because it is beautiful. I've seen it in the summertime, and I think we're up there in the fall. Fall, but I thought your uh, winter piece would really capture a special moment in light. Yeah, let's see. Uh, I think it's a great example of this idea of. Uh, finding something beautiful in your own backyard to paint. Right. Uh, and that's that homey, maybe, I mean, uh, uh, Judy, you talk about homey, and I think a lot of people around here take it to be homely, but in English... Well, in homely England, in England means it, it has that homey look, so, so we call it homely, and you think that's something terrible, so there is a slight problem when you and I talk about things <laughs> that we don't, we don't get our wires crossed. But um, yes, I'm I'm trying to get into the uh, the American vernacular, so let's stick with a homey look. And, and I think this also brings up the point that then, as I mentioned about the orb, you can design your garden for the paintings. 
And I think there were some great painters of the past who did that very thing. They designed their painting, uh, they designed their gardens to fit their paintings. And uh, and I think think it gives you a, if you're a painter and you have a, a, a love gardening, I think it gives you a great uh, idea to, well, if I plant this uh, this lavender this year, next year I'll have this purple foreground and with the with the complement of so I think and especially you see so much flowers just have so much beautiful color. Yeah. I mean even on a gray day it's like little suns are out when you see a flower. <laughs> that's um, right. brilliant yeah. brilliant uh, and it's always ever changing. And I think that's So wonderful. I think maybe we should um tell the listeners that Claude Monet did um, did paint his own backyard. Yeah, I think he's and probably the, the best known one. Who, yeah. Uh, what's the and, and he created that to paint it. Yes. Uh, he and, and the other thing is that it was noted that he didn't like organized or constrained gardens. He wanted it to be um, you know, Random. sort of a cacophony of, yeah. of different yeah, spring I think flowers. That looks yeah, I don't yeah. like to see rows of flowers all lined up because to me that's not as interesting. I yeah, know David likes formal gardens where everything. Well, I call is my in red place. flowers lined up, and then, and then all the yellow flowers. So I was dismissed from gardening. <laughs> Were you <laughs> very quickly? The um, other thing I think is neat is that he he did do a lily pond. Yeah, I'd love and to have a lily pond. We have a lily pond close by my house, yes. and um, and it's fantastic. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I walk daily, and I walk past this lily mm-hmm. pond, so I'm I'm very aware of all the the mm-hmm. life, you know, the the creatures that are in it, yeah. and and everything that's going on, and and uh, and and also it's endlessly inspiring. So it's not just that we can paint our own backyard, but we can mm-hmm. paint things that are very close to home. Yes, we don't have to even get in the car, mm-hmm. you know, to go and find these places. And um, I think I think um, complex I- imagery like these, you know, a mass, a dense mass of spring flowers or something, is really exciting, and it's a it's a wonderful thing. You know, you could even create a a square. You know, just mm-hmm. dense flowers. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, there are many things you can uh, you can do, and it's as you say. Sometimes it's a case of looking in your your backyard and seeing, uh, trying to second guess what what the artist might want to be painting. Um, but David, you know, you as you mentioned, you've been conducting this figure in the garden class for a number of years now, where everybody turns up on a Sunday and and paints. We have a model in the garden. Um, and, you know, when the rhododendrons are out, that's great because they must be, what, nine, ten feet tall by mm. now. Uh, but it's really hard work keeping everything watered so that so that the garden looks good. You know, you, you always think it looks untidy in this bit. And where are you going to put the model this Sunday? So I've got to go and tidy that bit up. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to teach. And I think uh, there's a group of people who really love that class. Uh, they love, they understand the, the complexities of a figure out of doors. Um, uh, I think of some of the great painters who painted it. I think of Child Hassam going to the Isle of Shoals. Oh, yes, and uh, Celia Thaxter's mm-hmm. gardens. He, he, it inspired him. Yeah. He was just staying at her house. He was just a guest. And I think he 
became a permanent guest almost for <laughs> Celia. Uh, but he loved her gardens, and I think you can. I think there's a book just about. Uh, yeah. Hassam's paintings of her garden mm-hmm. off the Isle of Shoals, and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there's several painters who who love these uh, ideas of the uh, the the as you said the homey quality that a backyard provides. When we're doing the figure in the garden, I think it uh, I think it gives everybody an understanding. If we especially if you think of uh, color first in a composition, but the understanding that a figure out of doors is being, you know, it's quite different from a studio lighting where you have a constant uh, light and shade. Out of doors, there's, a, there's a, uh, so much light bouncing around, reflected light. And if you don't paint the reflected light, um, you, you, you fail to make it look like she's out of doors or he's out of doors standing there. And I, I think that's very, very important to, uh, to have an understanding of color that would yeah. go into a painting that might represent this this reflected light. Yeah, that reminds me of that Gertrude Fisk painting, I think we call it Zinnias, mm. Uh, mm. of a girl standing there, she's just got a you know, sundress on, she's against uh, the backdrop, it's sort of like these, you know, obviously it's a green greenery, but it's got these deep blue shadows in there, and then Remember in front that. of her, yeah, yeah she's got these brilliant coloured flowers, yeah. the Zinnias in front of her. And when you look at the hand that's that's close to one of the flowers, and you see the reflected lights in those skin tones, I mean, it's it's just beautiful the way that mm-hmm. Gertrude Fisk handled that. It's she really was a, a brilliant artist, masterful. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of yeah. people, a lot of artists, could learn a lot of things just by observing those paintings. Right. Uh, I was uh, thinking too about Anthony Serino, oh, you know, yeah, and right, and yeah, his yes. piece, you know, that. Uh, is uh, very uh, impressive. You know, it's at the Rockport Art Association oh, the, the, um, and Peonies Museum. Outdoors. Yeah, the Peonies yeah. Outdoors. And that you can just put, he has, uh, you can see that there are a couple of vases yeah. on the table, and yet there's this explosion of peonies around yeah. the the table, indicating, you know, how, uh, I mean, the, the sunlight and the... Yeah. Um, the, the way in which you can compose something that's so yeah. magnificent. It's, yeah, and that's one of the pieces in the, uh, the Rockport's uh, permanent collection, mm-hmm. and it's, they're lucky to have that, I think. As, what, what interested me about that one was how many people... I mean, you see a lot of these tabletop still lifes these days, but they're done under sort of uh, yeah. studio conditions. But to take a floral piece and paint it outdoors... I think, who was the other one who did it? That's, that's in the collection... Uh, Mildred Jones did this. Yes. Uh, it has a, a vase of sunflowers on a chair, and I think that's the most beautiful painting. That sunflowers are so cheery. It's but it, to to paint a still life out of doors, I think, is really interesting. And also creating it in this very. Um, I think it harkens back to what you were just talking about—the homey quality. Yeah. The, the in a way that it's very casual. Um, you know, other still lives are very mm-hmm. formal. Yeah. Extremely formal and um, and pre-planned yeah, the, and, the and formulated. Done, but somehow, yeah, they're they're just a little bit too perfect. Whereas yeah. doing this out of dodge, you get that beautiful light on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a, I think it's a great idea to uh, set up a still life out of doors. Yeah. And, and are you it. are you inspired to try that? Uh, still life out of doors. No, I think I I love the nature of uh, flowers just growing to try to capture them, and I do too. Uh, I th- I think it was uh, I think it was Titian who learned color from flowers, 
uh, and that if you wanted to study color, you paint flowers. And I remember my first attempt at trying to paint iris, purple flowers out of doors. And uh, I was you know, mixing ultramarine blue and alizarin crimson. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got up and walked back, walked back from it, they just disappeared. Mm -hmm. They weren't there. And I knew I had to go out and buy a tube of magenta or, uh, or violety color, uh, there's many purples yeah. or uh, dioxazine purple or things like that. So it expanded my palette. If I was painting the poppies in spring, I had to have cadmium orange. Mm -hmm. And they're such a pure color. And I'm looking at some of the flowers right now. And, and here it is uh, dusk and there's a storm here. But these flowers are like little stars in the night oh, sky. Yeah. They're mm -hmm. just glowing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I think it's, I think it's an inspiration. I found that um, there's a, a book out called The Mustard Seed Garden of Painting, yeah. and that gave me a great concept. I mean, it was always considered that if you wanted to paint a rose, to think of a teacup, mm. and the outside of the teacup might be hit by light, and then that same inner part of the teacup would be in shadow, then the opposite side of the teacup would be in light too. And a rose does a very similar thing, and mm. that was a wonderful suggestion. But when I read The Mustard Seed Garden, and their, their feeling is it was all brushstrokes. And the reasoning was, well, we identify plants by their leaves. So the leaves are very important to these flowers, but the flower is momentary, and it must be painted in that same essence. And I really, oh, really, really try to uh, achieve that. So if yeah. you can paint a, a, a flower in three or four brushstrokes, you probably have more of the, the essence, you call it the feeling of, of a flower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are you saying then that if a, a painter wants to do flower gardens and things like that, you know, particularly close-ups, that they have to go out and buy a whole lot of new colors to, you know, for their palette? Or can they get away with mixing them? I, I definitely think they can get away with mixing. Yeah. Because um, um, I, don't, I don't think that, you know, just... Um, I, th I think red, yellow, blue, you know, mm -hmm. and white... Mm -hmm. uh, can be done in ways that, that um, create that brilliance, that yeah. brightness, that intensity that you see in flowers. Yeah, but you have to, I remember, David, as you say, you were painting the iris, and there was yeah. something else, the rhododendrons, and you needed quinacridone, there was a, a particular, particular yeah, colour that... Yeah. Um, you until you you got this specific one, it was very hard to capture that that note. Well, that's the way I felt about yeah. it. I mean, I had to have that tube of paint. But I can remember as a young man, uh, my teacher was uh, Ken Gore, and he we used to paint the loosestrife, the fields, the uh, the <laughs> invasive evil flower loosestrife. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I say evil flower because somebody, some other painter called it that because it was choking off all these streams. It must be down south. I think it does choke off a lot. But anyway, fields of this purple loosestrife, and he would recommend this uh, certain certain color only made by this permanent pigments. But I felt inferior if I had this tube of paint because I wasn't mixing my two colors together to make the color uh, <laughs> that I was just getting it in a tube and there was something artificial about that the tube equaled the, the color of the flower. But, I, um, yeah. but I think it's expediency, you know, the fastest way, the better way. But mm -hmm. 
Possibly. I, I think, you know, when I Monet, getting back to mm-hmm. Monet's creation of the lily pond, um, mm-hmm. and I think there's a beautiful, I've never been to Giverny and his, his home. I think it's a museum now. Um, but uh, and I think there's still an artist in residence there. Probably. And there was yeah. uh, one of the American painters from Boston, Lila Cabot Perry, used to go over there every year. I think she probably established that those visits as being the one uh, to establish this iris and residence. And she was the one, because we really don't know much about... Monet didn't teach, uh, he, but he probably proposed these theories in, in French around the breakfast table. And, um, and I think Lilith said, always said, it's a, you know, it's a triangle of blue, it's an oblong shape of green, mm-hmm. it's, a, um, it's a star shape of yellow, whatever it is, uh, that's the way you proceed, uh, mm-hmm. brushstroke by brushstroke, uh, color by color, until it creates the vibration of that sunlight hitting the, hitting the objects. You and know, this also reminds me of, um, we, we haven't brought up Cezanne, but Cezanne was also painting his um, surroundings uh, in front of his studio. Um, he was, but he, um, unlike Monet, was doing little dashes of color all over the place, but uh, apparently Cezanne was putting a lot of blacks into his his pieces. And they said that, that it was, uh, the, the way he was working on his, uh, these motifs that were surrounding his, his um, family home that started some of the cubism that was going on. So, so it's, it's pretty interesting that even styles of, uh, you know, different schools of thought uh, come out of just painting the surroundings mm-hmm. in which you live. Yeah. And the title uh, also refers to some uh, more contemporary groups of painters who when they said painting, it reminded me sort of of the Ashcan school. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the matter with painting in New York City? Mm-hmm. You know, and that, mm-hmm. that was sort of the Ashcan school, the group of painters who felt like, well, it's one thing, uh, the Boston school was outdoors doing yeah. figures in bright sunny days and beautiful white dresses, drinking tea. Maybe that's a little too nice and let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's show the earthiness. <laughs> and uh, my dad, I think, had a John Sloan etching of somebody stealing clothes from a, oh, yeah, from somebody. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you remember yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I think things like that. Maybe I don't care yeah. about that, but uh, I think I think it can refer to this backyard, meaning the contemporary world right. that we live in, and painting yeah. that as well as. What we're talking yeah. about is our own backyards yeah. uh, for painting gardens and things. Well, in England, of course, a backyard would probably be a yard as opposed to the back garden. So mm-hmm. it does have a different mm-hmm. connotation. Mm-hmm. But just saying that, it reminds me that Paul Canoya, who uh, used to come in summer in East Gloucester, he had a beautiful painting that, that was done in his backyard of the steps leading up to his studio. But it was very earthy colours and, you know, very, it had red notes. It was beautifully done, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a beautiful garden with lots of, of beautiful flowers there. Uh, it, it was, as you say, it had a bit more urbanism to it. And, but you can find all kinds... I suppose what it means painting your own backyard is look what's really outside your door. And, and, right, and right. That. Instead of 
thinking that you have to, to drive fly miles. to yeah. France, you yeah. know, or something like that. A lot of times people say, oh, I'm going to take a workshop in France. Yeah. Not to demean that. However, um, there's there's so much yeah. information and so much um, in terms of subject matter yeah. to paint in in your surroundings. Just, yeah, just yeah. close by. Yeah. Some, yeah. Sometimes it's not the location, it's just how well you paint it. Yeah. That yeah. makes it great. And that's why I think sometimes if you uh, choose a humble surroundings, uh, maybe the painting comes out better, but not necessarily. I mean, there's people going painting those lavender fields, beautifully mm -hmm. done. Mm. And I remember having a student who had to buy, take one of those classes of painting the lavender fields, and they had to buy this very expensive tube of purple. <laughs> and she was more angry about having to buy this expensive tube of purple <laughs> And she couldn't wait to to give it away to somebody in need because the lavender really wasn't in bloom when she did the workshop. <laughs> so she was a little disappointed by not using the purple. But I, I think it, it does have these connotations about to being aware of our surroundings, uh, contemporary surroundings, 21st century surroundings, as well as uh, your own backyard. But... Certainly, you can design your garden to fit your paintings as much as um, just painting your garden. So it might inspire you to also become more interested in the, um, not just the fauna, but the flora. Yeah. I was going to also mention that, um, that it's somewhat like having a diary, you know, so you can have a painting diary. You know, uh, when we are uh, right in the midst of... of content that we can paint over and over again in in all kinds of seasons in in uh, all kinds of weather um, sunrise or sunset uh, we are able to then um, savor these these color notes mm -hmm. I think that we see and um, and not get too slapdash and you know let me you know go in here <laughs> yeah and um, and you can do that over several several months, maybe years, and uh, who knows what kind of um, you know volumes of uh, of wonderful paintings and 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 information that you receive from that. Yeah, and also too, you're you know if you're incorporating a figure into this. Um, there's a, there's, it's great because you can ask your wife to pose for free yeah. or ask your husband to pose for free as the case may be and they're very willing you don't have to hire these expensive models to pose in the backyard and that makes it homey too yeah. And you I, mean, I you mean you've good. got to break them up doing the weeding and planting all the beautiful flowers yeah. into paint? No, you paint them weeding. Oh. Yeah. And uh, you do That's that. Right. So, no. uh, I, I, think, I think that does add a nice element to it when you add a figure in the garden. Uh, certainly Monet did that. I'm thinking the, uh, the American artist, Frisky. Oh, Am I pronouncing yeah. it right? Frisky? I, I don't know how you pronounce it. Frisky, I'm not sure. and, oh, um, oh, he some beautiful things. figures. But the dealers were upset because he painted his wife over and over. <laughs> and they wanted him to well, get... Well, that's like Dennis Perrin. Dennis Perrin is up in Elliott, Maine, um, very close to where... Well, actually, he's in Portsmouth now. And uh, he, he paints his wife over and over again in their garden. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's... I think that's a great ideal. 
mm-hmm. thing uh, to do uh, to do the figures in the garden, and that adds that human element to your backyard. Mm. Um, but I think it has all these, as I said, it can, you can take it many different ways. Mm. Um, I've certainly been very fortunate that people like to come and paint in the backyard and uh, uh, have. Uh, we're looking at a paint, beautiful painting here done by mm-hmm. one of my students who did a great job. And it just happens that my the two sidekicks here mm-hmm. on the radio podcast are in this particular painting. <laughs> the interesting thing about the pose was it was a two-session pose uh, that uh, they were geisha girls. And they were decorating lanterns for a party that was going to take place at the twilight hour. <laughs> and um, But the as we progressed into the second session, uh, and the girls are posing, decorating lanterns. Well, nobody decorated the lanterns. <laughs> and the, that lack of imagination of not putting some sort of pattern on the lanterns. Uh, I sort of got after the class said, uh, you know, that what are they doing? You know, so sometimes we're a little too literal about what we're painting and not using our imaginations and <laughs> and uh, to to uh, you know add to the uh, to to make it a beautiful garden. And uh, if you, if there's a few more roses to add to that uh, climbing rose bush, so be it. Right. 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 Well, I think uh, as the uh, the rains come down heavily, at least I won't have to go out and water the garden tomorrow morning, which is a, a great relief. Uh, and hopefully uh, the uh, the plants will be blooming forth very soon and the gardens will be flourishing as we approach summer. Um, so I hope everybody has enjoyed this conversation. I hope it will make you look around you when you go out of your front door or your back door, as the case may be, and just see what's around you, and maybe you will be inspired to uh, to paint in your backyard. And so we'll uh, we'll wish you happy painting, uh, and we'll uh, talk to you again next week. So. Thank you for